Our scripture reading is found in Luke chapter 13, verses 10 through 17. And here's what it says. Now he was teaching in one of the synagogues on the Sabbath. And just then there appeared a woman with a spirit that had, been, that had crippled her for 18 years. She was bent over and was quite unable to stand up straight. When Jesus saw her, he called her over and said, Woman, you are set free from your ailment. When he laid his hands on her, immediately she stood up straight and began praising God. But the leader of the synagogue, indignant because Jesus had cured on the Sabbath, kept saying to the crowd, there are six days on which work ought to be done. Come on those days and be cured and not on the Sabbath day. But the Lord answered him and said, you hypocrites, does not each of you on the Sabbath untie his ox or his donkey from the manger and lead it away to give it water? And ought not this woman, a daughter of Abraham, whom Satan bound for 18 long years, be set free from the bondage on the Sabbath? When he said this, all his opponents were put to shame, and the entire crowd was rejoicing at all the wonderful things that he was doing. Let us pray. Eternal God, thank you again for um, just bringing us together tonight. Thank you for your Holy Spirit that is in our midst. And so now, Holy Spirit, we pray that you would illuminate your word to our hearts so that we get something from this and take it with us as we go. We seek to honor you tonight, God, with um, these acts of worship. We love you. We honor you. We give your name all of the glory and the praise. In Jesus' name, amen. She eased out of bed that morning. She put on her slippers and gradually made her way to the kitchen to make some coffee. She got dressed, slowly but surely, knowing just how to maneuver since she had been carrying this invisible load for so long. She grabbed her cane, she opened the door. She's humped over, but she's heading to the house of God. She and the invisible load have been together for a long time. It is a type of common law marriage by now, a type of marriage that has brought her no happiness, no fulfillment, no joy. She has been living with this freeloader, giving piggyback rides for 18 years. She methodically moves through the crowd, hoping that the fellow pedestrians will notice her and just get out of the way. She wipes away the dust from her eyes. She has become accustomed to the dust since she has spent so much of her life looking down at feet and filth. When is the last time this woman saw a horizon. When is the last time she looked into anyone's eyes? She could not remember. And at this point, her load has become her friend and her foe, her hobby and her job. She is trapped in a union, stuck in an abusive relationship. 
physically and emotionally beaten down by the burden of chronic pain and social awkwardness. But she's headed to the synagogue. Slowly but surely, this tortoise wins the race. She's going to the synagogue to worship, just as a good Jewish girl should. She goes to the synagogue, in my imagination, every Sabbath. It is her practice. And she is completely oblivious to the fact that though she has taken these same steps in the same direction every Sabbath for years now, today, her life would change forever. Today, I want to talk on the subject, lifted by love, lifted by love. The story of the crippled woman is unique in a few ways. First, the book of Luke is the only gospel that records her story, while many of Jesus' other miracles are found in more than one gospel. Secondly, she is the only woman recorded in scripture healed in a synagogue, a predominantly male space. And thirdly, this would be the last occasion that Jesus would be allowed to teach in a synagogue. Now, scholars debate what exactly this lady's condition is, whether it's arthritis or osteoporosis or something else, but whatever the disease is, it has caused a severe curvature in her spine. And by now, she's an older lady. She's been bent over like this for about 18 years, and so we know that she's been in severe pain. And we know that anytime anyone is faced with physiological problems for an extended period of time, that they also suffer psychologically. They suffer emotionally. They suffer spiritually as a result. So we know that what she looks like on the outside, but what does she look like on the inside? I imagine that this curve in her back is now the embodiment, the symbolism of the curve in her spirit, that she was bent over on the inside by depression or discouragement or despair, that she was bent over on the inside with emotional fatigue, self-consciousness, low self-esteem, but that she was bent over on the inside by a lack of community bent over by the burden of loneliness. Jesus says in Matthew chapter 6, verse 22 and 23, he says, your eyes are windows into your body. If you open your eyes wide in wonder and belief, your body fills up with light. If you pull the blinds on your windows, what a dark life you will live. This woman has lived with blinds over her windows. Because of her condition, her eyes have been fixed on feet and filth, what happens to a person on the inside when all you see day in and day out are feet and filth? The curve in her spine gave her a downward vantage point, a low perspective. She could not look forward. She could not look upward. She was stuck with a limited view of life, a bent over body and a bent over spirit and a bent over perspective make for a pretty crippled life. But there is something here that I like about this woman, something that catches my eye and I do believe that it catches Jesus' eye as well. And that is this, that despite her condition, 
Despite her pain, despite her problems, she did not retreat from her routine. You see, she eased out of bed that morning with her load. She got dressed, which could not have been an easy thing to do. She got her cane, she headed out the door. And she took the same painful steps she always did on a Saturday morning toward the house of God. Instead of allowing her circumstances to cripple her faith, she did not resign herself to complacency or bitterness, though that would be, I would imagine, the easiest thing to do. She did not know if today would be any different than yesterday, if today, this Sabbath, would be any different from last Sabbath. She could not see her help coming, but in her bent-over body, with a bent-over spirit, she still has a heart that is bent toward God. And that is what I love about her. That even in her condition that she has been in for 18 years, she has a heart that is bent toward God. She's headed to the synagogue. There's nothing fancy about her routine. There's nothing glamorous about this choice. And there are no promises of a miracle. But it is her commitment to a spiritual practice, her faithfulness and her devotion that tells us that she has a heart that is bent toward God. And that's an encouragement for us today that while we are carrying our own loads, while we are facing our adversities, while we are struggling with some things on the inside, there is a benefit to maintaining spiritual practices. The activities in our lives that nurture us knowing God, that nurture us experiencing God. And I'm not necessarily talking about um, going to a particular church, even though I do believe the faith community is really important to a Christian life. I'm talking about having a personal devotion that moves us in the direction of Jesus despite our difficulties. I'm talking about holy routines. We have no evidence that she went to the synagogue because there was a big announcement that Jesus would be teaching that day. My imagination says that she was there because it was her practice. She was there because she had set aside specific time to worship God and hear the word. She just showed up. She did what she always did. I have no indication that she's particularly emotional about the decision she has made that day. She wasn't there to see a star speaker. She just showed up. She followed the, pra the practice of her personal devotion, and as a result, her life was changed forever. And I know that routines can become really mundane. I know that sometimes it is not fun to have spiritual disciplines, that it's easy to get distracted from our spiritual disciplines. But there is something to be said about having a consistent spiritual practice that can be foundational for extraordinary moments with God. Routines, consistent spiritual practices, I believe that those are the things that build the shelters that we are going to need when the storm comes. They open the door for Jesus to pursue us. The scripture says, that when Jesus saw her, he called her forward. 
Jesus, Jesus pursues this woman. And this is special to me because most often in scripture, we find that it is the person who is pursuing Jesus, right? The woman with the issue of blood presses her way through a crowd, through the crowd to touch the hem of his garment. The paralytic man was brought to Jesus on a mat through the roof, right? But Jesus pursues the crippled woman. And I'm wondering how did she know that Jesus was calling out to her that day in the synagogue? How did she know that he was speaking to her since he did not call her by her name? If she's bent over and she cannot straighten up, if all she sees from where she is is feet and filth, how does she know that Jesus is speaking to her? In my imagination, it is because Jesus changed his posture. I believe that Jesus bent over. I believe that Jesus got low. I believe that Jesus reached out to her on the level that she could see him and she would know without a shadow of a doubt that he was talking to her. And hasn't Jesus done that for all of us? Hasn't Jesus, through the incarnation, gotten low? Hasn't Jesus extended himself, carried our loads, carried our sins, carried our burdens, and not just ours, but those of the whole world? Philippians 2 says, Jesus, being the very nature of God, did not consider equality with God something to be grasped, but made himself nothing, taking the very nature of a servant, being made in human likeness, and being found in appearance as a man, he humbled himself and became obedient on a cross. I'm so glad that Jesus got low. I'm so glad that he saw her condition, that he saw my condition, that he saw our condition, and that he would humble himself, call us forward, call us out of our brokenness so that we could be whole. Call us out of our bondage so that we could be free. That when we could not see him because of our low vantage point, Jesus could see us. And by his mercy and by his grace and by his love, he has pursued us in incredible ways. The scripture goes on to say, woman, you are set free from your infirmity. The King James Version says, woman, thou art loose. And you might have heard that a lot because now that's a conference that T.D. Jakes does every year, woman's conference. Woman, thou art loose. Notice that while there was an obvious physical ailment, that Jesus did not use the word healed here, as he has done so many times in the Gospels. He says, woman, you are loosed. In other words, today I'm not going to be fixed upon the obvious problem. I'm going to address the issues that nobody can see. You're loosed. Today I'm not just going to eliminate your back pain. I'm going to address the real painful issues that you have on the inside. You're loosed. You've been tied to some things. You've been in a bad relationship with your pain. You've been married to some problems. And today I want you to be free. Today I want you to be loosed. So that when you are loosed, not only are you healed, not only can you stand up straight, but when you are loosed, you can also think straight. When you are loose, you can also talk straight. When you are loose, you can also have healthy relationships. That when you stand up straight, your eyes will be wide to see. And you'll be able to see from a whole new vantage point. 
Study after study shows correlations between our emotional health and our physical well-being. Anger, fear, sadness. These things negatively impact our immune systems, our brain function, our heart health. And so Jesus wants to deal with not just what's on the outside. Jesus wants to deal with what's on the inside. The rejection, the abandonment, the fear, the unforgiveness. Jesus wants us loosed. Verse 13 says, then he put his hands on her. And immediately she straightened up or lifted up and praised God. Now, until this point, again, this is my imagination. This lady is pretty quiet, a little timid, a bit soft-spoken, as I can imagine someone like her being. But after Jesus calls her forward, looses her from her invisible load, then lifts her up, the impact of this miracle could not have allowed her to remain quiet. I imagine that as her spine straightened up, her arms would have straightened up too, and she would have said something like, for thou, O Lord, art a shield for me, my glory and the lifter of my head. When God lifts you up, sets you free from a low vantage point, when God causes your eyes to see more than feet and filth, you understand that praise isn't really a personality thing. Praise is a gratitude thing. That when God pursues you and intervenes in your life in ways that are supernatural and undeniable, that the, that the response to that is to give God the credit, the glory, and the honor. It reminds me of a song that my grandmother used to sing, Love Lifted Me. Love lifted me. When nothing else could help, love lifted me. Verse 14, indignant because Jesus had healed on the Sabbath, the synagogue leader said to the people, there are six days for work, so come and be healed on those days and not on the Sabbath. Here we go again. The religious folks are not pleased with Jesus' behavior. Jesus ignores protocols. He ignores norms. He interrupts rules. And this is the last straw for the religious folks. Because after Jesus lifts up this crippled woman, he does not preach again in the synagogue. Why does he take this kind of risk? Why does he do this? Why does he break the rules? Jesus breaks the rules because he chooses Kingdom over culture. He chooses people over programs. And he chooses love over laws. Culture and programs and laws will always insist that there is a more appropriate time for people to get free. They will insist that people remain bent over and limited and oppressed because that's just the way it is. But Jesus knows what religious folks don't know, and that is that the kingdom of God is right now. That people are more important than programs. That kingdom is more important than culture. You see, radical love, the kind of love that Jesus bent over to extend to all of us, requires immediacy and urgency and an interruption in our culture when it comes to healing, hurting people. How are we then 
as kingdom people set free by the love of Christ, supposed to follow him in this, having our hearts first bent toward God, having our eyes lifted up, will allow us to see with clarity and compassion the wrongs that are going on around us. How do we follow Jesus in this? We get loosed from religion, religion that insists that programs are more important than people. We extend the kingdom of God right now in real time. How do we follow Jesus in this? We get low. We enter into the story of someone else and we lift them up. How do we follow Jesus in this? We interrupt our regularly scheduled programs to bring a very important message. For all of the ways, church, for every way that we are to follow Jesus in this, we will, we will be like the woman bent over after, for 18 years healed by Jesus, we will, we will need our spines.